Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. Hey, it's really, really good to see you. Uh, if we have, uh, this thing is like hot, real hot. If you'll turn me down just a little bit, I'd appreciate it. But uh, if we have never met before, my name is Josh. I have the privilege to serve as the lead pastor here uh, at Church on the Rock. And I'm really, really thrilled and excited that you have chosen to be with us today. You could have been anywhere. You could have done a lot of things. And you chose to be in church and around godly people. And I just want to commend you for it. Would you just give applause to the person next to you and just say, hey, way to go. Way to go. It's good to see you. If you're a part of the church family, you know that we are in the second installment of a message series that we're calling The Blueprint, and we're studying Matthew chapter 16, okay? And I'm going to get into that in just a moment, but before I do, uh, I want to just say a really, really quick congratulations to what I believe is the newliest weds in our church. We have a lot of people getting married and we have a lot of people having babies right now. In fact, it was my daughter who was standing about right here who was with child. And when she was jumping up and down and dancing, I'm like, she's trying to get Nova to get here sooner. Uh, let's just wait until she's due. That would be best, right? If she was jumping, I'm like, I don't know if this is the best idea, but I love the energy. Come on, right? But I, I do, I want to congratulate uh, both Alex and Rachel Graves, who I hope are in the house this morning. They typically sit up in the balcony, but congratulations to the newlyest weds. In our church, your brand new life together. Special and it matters. Uh, yeah, so I just wanted to give you guys a quick shout out. All right, so we're in the, and I want to get right to it. Is that okay? Can we just get into God's word today? We're in a series, uh, and, and I want to set it up just a little bit. I want to set it up this way in case maybe um, you're new, maybe you've not been to our church before, or you've not, maybe you've never really been in a church. Maybe you've never been in a church like this one. I hope that so far, uh, you're okay with what you've received. We're pretty passionate about Jesus around here. Uh, and quite frankly, we're passionate about him and unapologetically so. And so, uh, and so we're in this, this series that began last Sunday. And here's what I really believe is taking place. I think it's bigger than just a group of messages that a preacher is going to preach. I think it's a movement in a church. I really do. And so if you consider this church your home, I want you to really lean into that idea that I actually think that the spirit of the living God, and I'm going to weird some people out right here, but whatever, just hang with me, that the spirit of the living God is doing something in our midst and in this church. Now, I think he's doing it in the church, okay, worldwide. I really do. I think there's more hope in the faith of Jesus Christ than some people are thinking, but I think that God is doing a deep and mighty work in us as a church, and I'm just thankful that we get to participate and be a part of it. Isn't that right, everybody? So we're in this study of Matthew chapter 16, and as I said, we're in part number two. Ironically, though, uh, last week was the first installment of a study of Matthew 16, and we didn't even read anything out of Matthew 16. It was just the preface. It just propped us up and got us ready. Now, if you missed that, I would really highly recommend that you go back and see that. I actually think it sets the tone for the entire series, but if you didn't see it, you still will be able to receive what God has for you today. Is that fair, everybody? And so what I want to do is I want to get right to it. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 16. Everything will be on the screen behind me. But if you have a Bible, maybe you have a device, a phone, an iPad, something like that, you might want to go to the YouVersion Bible app. You can follow along there if you want to. In fact, we have notes provided there uh, on the app as well. So Matthew chapter 16, I want to start in verses 13. It's a story about Jesus, everybody. And Jesus has some communication with some people, and we're going to unpack these communications. We're going to unpack this story. We're going to unpack this conversation week by week by week 
over the course of now the remaining seven weeks of this series. And in Matthew 16, we'll start in verse 13, the Bible says that when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples some questions. All right, he says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Now, just for context, everybody, just so you understand, he's referring to himself. So the Son of Man is him referencing himself. And he asked the question, what do people say about me? Who do people say that I am? Who do they say the Son of Man is? In verse 14, well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. In verse 15, and then he asked, and here's where we're really going to focus today. Then he asked, okay, cool, but who do you say that I am? Like, what about you? Like, it's, it's good to know what others say, and that matters a lot, by the way, and we're going to get into it today. But then he asked the more pressing question, well, what about you? Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter, by the way, if you don't know anything about Peter, he was, he was never afraid to say stuff, okay? And some said he, sometimes he said really good stuff, and sometimes he was like me, and he was pulling his foot out of his mouth. Come on, right? Anybody ever done that where you're like, man, I should have probably just kept my mouth shut? Peter was a guy that would talk. He was not afraid, and so he speaks up. Peter answered and said, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. And watch Jesus' response. Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Now, I say that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. That is a profound and powerful statement. And I just believe that in Matthew chapter 16, in this conversation and the verses that follow that we'll unpack in the coming weeks, I believe that Jesus lays out the blueprint of what that church actually looks like. Now, if you've ever been a part of any kind of construction, you've had something built, you hired someone, you did it yourself, maybe you're in the industry, you know that everything that gets constructed starts with a blueprint. There has to be a plan. We've got to know like how to do it. Because there are things that matter, and certain things matter first, and this thing, if you don't get this right, then the other thing doesn't work. And come on, I think we all get it, right? And so I just believe that Jesus is laying out in Matthew chapter 16 this blueprint. And last week we saw that Jesus is the cornerstone. Like he's the most important part. And listen, that's like a low, like slow pitch, like a low ball right there. That's low-hanging fruit for amens, all right, which is kind of a churchy, culture thing to do. So bear with us if that's not your flow. But Jesus is, in fact, the cornerstone of the church. And I'm, listen, I'm going to preach that until I die or they kill me. I'm just telling you right now. Because there's too many people trying to diminish who Jesus is. And at Church on the Rock, we ain't about that. I just want y'all to know that's not who we are. That is not what we will be. We will not allow things to press against the power and the divinity of Christ Jesus and who he is and what he is. That's just what we believe in this house. If you can't get on board with that, either stick with us and get on board or good luck finding a new church. Amen. We're going to grow today no matter how many people come back next week. Here here we go. All right? And so we see that Jesus is, in fact, the cornerstone, and everything is built on him. But I want to break down these verses 
Because Jesus, he, he approaches his disciples, right? These are like his people, and we all have our people. Like the people that he's close to, praise the Lord. Hang on one second. I might know how to fix it. We'll just try something real quick. I hope this thing doesn't quit, because I don't like holding the microphone. All right, let's just see if that helps. All right, let's go. Ready? Well, a do-over. Here we go. And ready, begin. All right. Jesus goes to his people, and we all have our people, right? Jesus, the, he was tight with these guys, and they're a bunch of misfit dudes that don't have it all figured out, and Jesus was just awesome, and he was willing to pour himself into people that weren't perfect, which is fitting for all of us, thank God, because that's us. And he goes to his disciples, and he's starting to get sort of some clout. Some people are starting to learn who he is and know a little bit about him, et cetera, et cetera. And he goes to his disciples, and he asks a couple of questions. And the first question that he asks is like, what, hey, what are, like, what are people saying about me? Who, what, like, who do they say that I am? And, and the response is, well, some people think that you're John the Baptist. Other people think you're Elijah or that you're, you know, one of the great prophets of the of past, Jeremiah, et cetera, et cetera. Now, this is kind of just for context, right? This doesn't necessarily hinge the message, but just for you to know that reincarnation was a huge thing then. That was like a big deal, very, very culturally normal. And I know that that still exists and people believe that today, but it was real, real prevalent back then. So it wouldn't have been uncommon for somebody to think that somebody was a reincarnated someone else. So, so like, if, if he's a total dirtbag, well, then maybe he's a reincarnated of this other guy who was also a dirtbag. But if he was awesome, maybe he's reincarnation of this other guy who was pretty awesome. And this is what people are associating Jesus to be. In other words, they're saying, like, um, I don't know if you know this, but you're kind of a big deal. That's what they're saying. People think a certain way about you. And it would be easy, I think, to just breeze over that. Like, okay, cool, and then get into really the meat of the sandwich today. Okay, where we're going to dig is when he says, but what about you? But before we get there, I don't want to ignore the first question, because the question was, what people say about me? Like, what's the buzz? And I actually think this is a super relevant question. And if, if I may, for just a moment, because I recognize that perhaps not everybody in this room is a follower of Jesus, and that's cool. We're super glad that you're here. Welcome. But for those of us that are, I think this is an important question to us. Like, what do people around you think about Jesus? Because I'm, listen, I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a preach a moment. Can I, can I have your permission to preach today? Is that okay? I'm just going to go for it, okay? Because there are ideas around us about Jesus. There are things that people think and believe about him, about the Bible, about his church. And I think it's super important that we understand what the people around us are thinking about Christ Jesus. And I think that Jesus was actually trying to emphasize to his disciples that it is important that you are aware of the people around you. I actually think that it matters because there's a lot of things, and listen, it's always been true. I know that a lot of people think like that the world's as bad as it's ever been. That's not true. Ecclesiastes says like it's always been this way, okay? So the same pressures and pushbacks against Jesus Christ, against God himself, against the church, they've just always been there. People have always been jacked up and needing a savior, just always, okay? And so we have all these things, though, in the world around us that push back against our faith in Jesus, I'm just do my best, everybody. I don't know why this happens. All right, if it doesn't, should I just, dang it. All right, this check, can you hear me out of this one? This is going to reduce my preaching throw three, three and a half percent. Um, 
I'm just kidding. I can do it. Here we go. I think it's important that we know what the world around us says about Jesus because there are beliefs about him. And quite frankly, there are people that have no regard for him at all. There are some people that don't believe he ever even existed. I just think that's important that we understand that. There's a lot of people that say, yeah, he existed, but he was just a nice guy. He was a good moral teacher, but he was not the son of God. He was not everything that he said he was, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of thoughts about him. And listen to me carefully, there's this new thing maybe that's happening. It's really not actually a new thing, but a very prevalent thing that is happening. Even inside the church itself, it's the concept of progressive Christianity. And that would say, yeah, that Jesus was like a good dude, but he's not actually the deity that we've always believed him to be, and he's not divine like we thought, and maybe he wasn't everything that he said, and what they do is they diminish the power of his word, and they start to put themselves as the authority over God's word instead of God's word as the authority over them, and that'll sound like church, and it'll sound like Jesus, and it'll sound like godliness, but it's actually a misconception, and it's actually a movement that is happening in the world today, and I think it's important that we're aware of these things. Because it's important, I think, that we know how people around us think about Jesus. And I think the question was an emphasis to the disciples that, hey, listen up, guys, I'm relevant to culture, and I need you to be too. Because Jesus had a way with people. It's interesting if you just read the story of his life from the four accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the very beginning of the New Testament of your Bible, you get four different like stories told, lenses that it was seen through in this life of Christ. And what we see in Jesus is that he had issues with certain people, and then he would befriend certain people, and it might not be like you think. Because he would sometimes say some pretty harsh things to church people, and then he had this incredible way of befriending what the Bible called notorious sinners, and I'm like, well, thank God, because if, if, if he wasn't the kind of guy that would befriend a notorious sinner, I would be hopeless. Amen. Just hopeless. And I'm glad that he does. And I love the fact that he says, hey, who do, who do they say that I am? Because I think for us, we have to actually, can I, can, I, can I say it like this? Like, we actually have to be relevant about the world around us. And relevancy is not looking like the world and putting a Christian tag on it. Being relevant is being genuine and authentic, being Christ-like, because people need some backbone. People need some sort of solid foundation. People do need an absolute truth in their life. And I'm just telling you right now, his name is Jesus, and we represent him. And I do think it's important that we understand who he is, who he is to us, and how he's portrayed by the world around us. In fact, in Colossians chapter 5 and 6, uh, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, the, here's what the Bible itself says. Look what it says. Live wisely, wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Now, verse six, watch this, I love it. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Gracious and attractive. And I think that there are times, can I just get on us for a second? As the church, I just think there are times that we're not very gracious. I think there are times that we're extremely self-righteous. And we think that somehow we're better than other people because we do have the hope of Jesus when really we should be gracious and compassionate toward them, not judgmental toward them. I actually think that there are times that the way we behave is not attractive to the world around us. Can I just preach to some of us in the room? Some of you are weird. Cut it out. Is that okay? 
Like, I know you love Jesus, and I know you love Scripture and all that kind of stuff, but, like, can you just pull it into, like, normalcy and have some attractiveness to the way that you present Christ Jesus? Like, when you greet your neighbor who's unsaved and unchurched, and they're not into what you're into, and they say good morning, just be like, good morning. How are you? Don't be like, blessed brother, doing well in the Lord's favor today. I know I might be on a soapbox. I get it. And maybe I'm offending some of you, but whatever, dude, listen. <laughs> and I'm not saying I get it right all the time. My foot enters my mouth more times than I would like, and I, and I do foolish things. So, you know, whatever, all right? But the, but the honest truth is that those of us that are in Christ Jesus have the greatest thing that this world has to offer us. And there's nothing weird about Jesus. Now, there are some unexplainable things. There are some things that my natural mind can't wrap itself around. And it might look crazy to you if I pray for someone at AutoZone. I don't go there. I go to advanced. If I'm in advanced. <clears throat> sorry, AutoZone. But advanced, if you're looking for a promoter, I got your back. And... Um, yeah, I might be the guy that says, what, man, man, I'm sorry to hear about what you're going through. Can I just pray for you right now? And you might look at that and say, that's weird, and that's fine. But that, man, I'm just trying to exercise the power of God in me to serve someone else. And so I'm just encouraging us. Let me get off this soapbox. I'm just encouraging us to do everything in our power to be both gracious and attractive, that we would live wisely, wisely. In other words, have an awareness about the world around you. Try to get a grip on the people around you and what they actually believe, and don't condemn them for it. Walk with them in it. So you might have somebody at the office place that you're trying to convince that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and maybe they're pushing back on it, but just get an understanding of like where are they actually, and then just graciously and attractively stay in a genuine friendship with them and just communicate the hope that you have. Listen, and tell your story. Give them what, what Jesus has done for you. Just, just say, look, unapologetically, this is what I believe and this is where I stand and I believe it's good for me and it's good for you, but I don't have to be judgmental because you don't see it the way that I see it. Is that good, everybody? Can we move on? You feeling it? All right. But then Jesus asks the question, this is really the question, and he says, all right, cool. Now that we're, now that we're aware of what the people around us are thinking, what about you? What do you say? What, what do you, who, who do you say that the Son of Man is? And listen, everybody, I think this is the question, the very question, that in our lives here on earth, every single one of us have to give an answer to. Like, what about you? What do you say about Jesus? And I actually think that it's the question. It's why it's part of the blueprint, see, because Jesus was like, look, it's going to have to start right here because, Peter, if you think that I'm John the Baptist or Jeremiah or Elijah, those are great dudes. Those are my boys, but that's not who I am, and I don't want you to have it misconstrued. And listen, I think we do it all the time because there are sometimes that we will glamorize certain people. We, we will put other people like up on pedestals and we'll think higher of them. And really we should be putting Jesus over everything. 
And Jesus is like, look, I just want to see what, it, what do you think about me? What do you say? This is the question that demands an answer from all of us, and every person will at some point have to give an account for it. In fact, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 22, there's this moment taking place right before the crucifixion of Jesus, and there's a question that Pilate asks. And the question is this. I think it's the question that you should ask yourself today. And the question is, what shall I do then with Jesus, who's called the Messiah? What should I do? Because he's in this moment where he's got to make a decision about what to do with Christ in his life. And maybe today you're standing at the crossroads of decision about what you have to do with the decision about what to do with Christ in your life. And some of you may not be a follower of Jesus at all. And I'm asking that question to you directly today. What are you going to do with Jesus? But others of us in this room, we're, we're followers of Jesus already, but there might be an area in our lives where he is not over everything. There might be areas of our lives where he's not over everything. There might be places in our lives where we need to get some things in the appropriate order and allow Jesus to be at the center or at the top of it all. And I think that today, we too, in order not to be self-righteous, should be asking ourselves the question, what am I going to do with Jesus? And maybe it's specific to that area of your life. And of course, in Matthew 27, 22, this is where the crowd said, man, just kill him. Crucify him. My prayer is that you're not saying that today. But then Peter, Peter, he got it right this time. And he got it right often. But he got it right this time. And Peter responds, and he's like, you are the Messiah. Son of of the living God. What, what I want you to understand is that Peter was in essence affirming everything that Jesus had said about himself. Jesus pulled zero punches about who he was, what his mission was, what he was here to do. In, in fact, in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody, nobody comes to the Father except through me. And I want you to recognize that Jesus used the definite article, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he made it very, very clear that nobody is going to access my Father unless they access him through me. And so can I push back on some cultural beliefs to you this morning? There are not a lot of ways to God. There's one way. All paths do not lead to him. Can I be very bold this morning? Not every religion's got it right. I'm just being, I'm just being honest with you. And I would encourage you, like, go do your research. Go, go, go learn some things about what other religions say and believe and why. Go be informed. Don't just jump on the bandwagon because it's popular or because somebody that you think is really cool or awesome has a certain opinion. Gather your own opinions and do your own research because I think that the gospel of Jesus Christ is strong enough to stand all on its own. And I think that if you go and do the investigation, you'll find the truth to be Jesus. I just believe that with all of me. 
In fact, I'm, I'm 40 years old. I've been saved for most of my life. I went to 10 years of Christian private school. I've been in ministry. I've been preaching. I left this Bible here last Sunday by mistake, and my heart broke if I had lost it. And it was here this morning when we walked in. You have no idea the relief inside of me. I've been preaching out of this Bible for probably two decades. I like this. Like, there, there's Bibles, and then there's your Bible. And this one, this one is mine. It's got creases in the leather where, see why, see why I like having both my hands? It's got creases in the leather on both sides where oftentimes when I'm preaching from a text and I'm holding my Bible like this, it's creased around my fingers. It falls open to places. There are, there's highlights and there's underlines and there's little notes and there's emphasis and this Bible is mine and this is the very word of God. And all this time I've been in ministry, I've been a pastor now for more than 12 years, and it's like, listen, I'm indoctrinated as they get, I think is what I'm trying to say. And right now, right now, I'm self-leading myself through some courses in what's called apologetics, because I need to learn some stuff, man. Because there are, there are progressive thoughts pushing back on the church right now, and I need to be able to live wisely among unbelievers. I need to have the right response. And I don't want to be the, can I, can I just talk about myself here for a second? I don't want to be the dummy that's like, I believe in Jesus because I always have. Well, I don't think that's enough. I don't know why I made that Southern. But I'm from the South. I guess I could do that, okay? <laughs> Like, I actually want to know where my faith is and why. And when I investigate other things and pathways to God and all this stuff, I continually find myself back at Jesus and Jesus alone. And I know it's cliche, and I know that some of you will internally roll your eyes, but I keep coming back to Christ Jesus who gave it all for me, who died on a cross, who paid a debt that I couldn't pay because God is a God of justice and justice had to be paid. And it was either you or him. And Jesus was like, I got your back. And some of us over and over, we just shout, crucify him. Just crucify him, put him back on the cross. But Jesus said, Upon this rock, I will build my church. I just can we just notice a couple things? Jesus builds it. The church is his. And he says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell cannot stand against it. And so I got like, the question is like, well, what rock? Upon this rock, well, what rock, what what rock, is it Peter? Because then the scripture actually tells us that he says to him, hey, Simon Peter, you're now going to be called Peter. So I want you to recognize there's an identity shift. That's next Sunday. Because Jesus gives us, listen to me carefully, our identity Nothing else gives us identity, Jesus does. My political party does not identify me. The color of my skin, the way that I vote or think, my sexuality is not my identifier. My identity can only be found in Christ Jesus and Jesus alone. 
he identifies us. And he said to Peter, I'm giving you a new identity. And I'm going to build my church on this rock that hell itself can't stand against. Which tells me there's a fight. And there's something to fight for. Well, that's two weeks from now. Come back for that one. Because there's something to fight for. But somehow we're victorious in this thing. And so the question remains, what rock? Like, is it Peter? Is Jesus saying, Peter, you're so rad. I'm going to just do everything with you. You're the man, homie, and I'm going to build it on you, and it's going to be about your personality and your style and your flavor and your flow. Bro, you're the rock. No, no, because Peter's dead now, and that wouldn't have lasted very long. I'm sorry. Sometimes I'm pretty blunt. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked for Jesus to say, I'm going to build my church on a personality or on a person. That, that wouldn't work, which is, listen, which is why this church cannot be built on me because it won't last. Like, I have a pure heart and I chase the Lord, right? And so I have some few people in my life, they say, I'm chasing you because you're chasing God. What's well, good. I actually think there's biblical like structure to that. But it can't be built on me. It can't be built on the personality of a leader. It can't be built on the charisma of people, which is why, by the way, our hearts are so broken when we see these charismatic great leaders fall. That's, it's very, very painful, right, when we see that, because we don't want that. So what rock then? The question remains, like, what is that rock? And I'm telling you, this is what the rock is. It's the revelation that Jesus is who he says he is. God can build on that because that's eternal. God can build on that because that will always remain. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus is the rock of ages. What I'm saying to you is, is that the rock that Jesus said, I'm going to build a church on this rock, is not a denomination or a style or a way of doing church. It is on the revelation of who Jesus really is, the Messiah son of the living God. And what I love most is that Jesus says to Peter, nobody has taught you this, but the Spirit has revealed this to you. I'm a preacher, and with everything in me, I want to talk you into Jesus, man. I do. I think and work so hard at this, and I try to be really, really intentional with my words and language, the delivery style, etc. But there is a reality in Scripture. There's a blueprint, and Jesus laid it out. And listen to me. I can't talk you into Jesus. Human, no human has revealed this to you, Jesus said. But the Spirit of God. And so to those of you who are outside of the faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, I can't compel you. But I've been praying for you. Been thinking about you. Listen, not because we need you to conform to a religion. Religion's stupid. But a relationship with Jesus will transform your life, man. It'll transform you forever. And when we put our faith in him, 
Man, I'm telling you, just everything changes from the inside out. It's a pretty remarkable thing. I, I can't even explain it. I don't know how it happens, but it does. And so my prayer is that the Spirit of the living God would reveal Himself to you today and say, Jesus, He is in fact the Messiah. He is in fact the Son of the living God. He is in fact who He said that He is and He does what He says He's going to do and He has His best interest, your best interest at heart. So I want to close right here at Matthew chapter 7 and we may this may come up in a couple of weeks, but Matthew 7, 24, 27 is Jesus speaking. And he says, therefore, everyone, you see that word? Everyone. You notice that? Everybody. Lottie Dottie. Everybody. So my drill sergeant used to say, all of us. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down and the streams rose and the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation on the rock of ages, on Jesus himself, that you are who you say you are. You are the Messiah. You are the only pathway to the Father. But everyone, verse 26, who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The ram came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Listen to me, everybody. Listen to me. We woke up this morning in the real world. And in the real world, rain's coming, and rivers are rising, and storms are blowing, and they're going to beat against you. And the question is, where's the foundation? Where your blueprint is coming from matters. And some of us think that we have a structure that's solid, but it's on sand because the foundation's wrong, because the cornerstone is Jesus. He is the Messiah. He is the son of the living God, and he is exactly what God himself will build his church on, the revelation of who he is. Amen. And the choice is ours, and the question is, what about you? What are you going to do with Jesus, the one called the Messiah? Would you stand with me this morning? Come on, team. We're going to transition into a time of response. And the question that we'll respond to this morning is this. What do you say? What do you say? What about you? My prayer is that we would all say what Peter said. Jesus, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. You are who you say you are. You do what you say that you'll do. And I pray that today that we will put our faith in him, put our faith in him, like sitting down in a chair you just got out of, you put total faith in that chair to hold you, and I hope that you would put total faith in Jesus to hold you, so we're about to sing a song, 
And here's what the song says. It says, oh, come to the altar. Because the Father's arms are open wide. And so in old school church, some of you may have heard this before, at the end of the service, they, they will have what they call an altar call. You ever heard this? Any familiarity in the room with altar call? All right, good, good, good. That's an appropriate thing. It's fine. We at our church, we just, we call this a response because I believe that there's a mandate on our lives to respond to God in every way, in every way of our lives. There is a constant need to respond to the gospel. And so this morning as we go into this song, there may be some of you that say, I need to go down toward the front, toward the altar. We're like, why would I do that? That feels crazy. Okay, fine, be crazy. But find freedom. Because the altar is the place where sacrifices are made. And there are just times in our lives where we just got to put something on the altar of our heart and light that sucker on fire. You know what I mean? That just is what it is. And maybe for some of you in this room, it's the resistance of Christ himself. But today the Holy Spirit has revealed to you that you know what? He is who he says that he is. And maybe for others of you, it's just an area of your life that it's like, I gotta relent, man, and I gotta give this over to Jesus. I gotta put him over everything in my life. I've gotta respond to him. They're just, the, the, the possibilities of your response are endless. And some of you are gonna feel led by the Spirit to come down to the front and kneel down and pray. That's awesome. I would encourage you to do that. Some of you might feel the need to just turn to somebody next to you that you really trust and just say, look, will you just pray over me real quick? I'm kinda in a fight. I don't know, it's just something I'm facing. And you don't even have to tell them what it is, just would you pray for me? I know that we're not in advanced auto parts, but would you pray for me at church? Come on. And then some of you, you're, you're at the crossroad right now, and you have an opportunity. This might not be the last one. Like, I don't want to do the whole, like, if you died tonight. But it's a good question. But some of you, you're, at, you're just, you're at a crossroads. Of decision and the question is what do you say what are you going to do with Jesus and if you're at a place right now where you're like you know what the truth is I've been resisting someone that loves me more than I can love myself somebody that can connect me to the peace that I've always been searching for I've been pushing back and resistance maybe even been unaware that I've been doing it but the spirit of God has moved inside of me and I can't explain it but I want to put my faith and my hope in Jesus. And if that's you, I want to lead you in a very simple and short prayer that we always pray here at our church. And I want you to know a couple things. One, this prayer is not special, okay? It's not the prayer that is doing anything for you. It is your heart and where it stands before Jesus that is doing everything for you. Does that make sense? The prayer is simply a guide. I'm just guiding you into an official connection to Jesus himself. And some of you are going to make that decision like the two people last Sunday that made that decision right here in this church and surrendered their lives to Jesus. One of them, a sweet lady, came all the way down to the front. She said, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. And she just made her way all the way down to the front, just did it right here in the front of the auditorium. It was awesome. Praise God for that. Amen. I hope that today you feel that same leading and that same necessity for the embrace of a loving father. And if you do, if today's your day, like it's your salvation day, I just want you to know that when you walk out of this room today, out in that lobby, we have a gift for you.
there's going to be some people there. Uh, with some, I think we got some high-top tables are going to be there, and there's going to be just a couple members of our team. And I would love for you to just go out there to the lobby and just receive that gift. Just We don't want anything from you, really. We just want to offer you something, okay? Our heart is not to take. Our heart is to give. That's what Jesus does. For God so loved the world that he gave. And our heart is just to be generous towards you and give towards you. I just believe that if you allow the love of the Father into your life and you accept Jesus to be the center and the Savior and the Lord of your life, then he will lead you to take every step following that. We're just the people that love you enough to help you take those steps. We do life together around here. We care for each other around here. We pray for one another around here. We cheer for each other when we're up and we mourn with each other when we're down. We're not weird. We're just passionate about Jesus and we're real about life that we live in and we know that there's a fight on our hands and there's a real life out there that we have to live and we just choose to do it in the community of faith centered on Jesus. That's just who we are. Welcome to Church on the Rock. We would love to have you as a part of this family. All right, and so I would love if you would to just bow your heads across the auditorium. I'm gonna lead you in that simple prayer. Now, church family, y'all know, right, we do this every Sunday, and I always say I want every single person in the room to repeat this prayer after me, and here's why we do it, because I just believe that there may be people in this room saying it for the very first time, and here's the truth. I believe this, that this moment is your moment with God, nobody else. Now, there are next steps to be taken, like baptism and et cetera. There's other things to do, but in this moment, this is your moment. And so us saying this prayer along with you is our way of championing what you're doing right now. Because what's happening for you is the the future and the direction of your life is altering. Your name is being pinned in the most important book in all of the world. It's the book of life. And God himself is going to scribe your name in his book and mark you a part of his family. And what that does for you is give you access to everything he has and everything he is. And so here we go. I want you to just repeat this prayer if today... You're saying, Jesus, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. I want you to say, dear Jesus, I give you my life, all of it. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. All that I am is yours. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise. Congratulations if you made that decision today. We're so excited for you. Now listen to me. If you made that decision, I want you to go get your free gift in the lobby. If you made that decision, there are steps to take in this journey of faith, and we would love to just invite you to participate in our church. For us to help you take those steps, would you come back, join us next week? We'd love to tell you a little bit more about how to grow in this faith journey with Christ. But what we're about to do in this moment is respond to the altar of the Lord. We're going to lay some things down in our own hearts. So let's worship together. Let's respond together in Jesus' name.